0: yo what's up everybody i am excited to get to our episode this week which analyzes five nights at freddy's but before i do uh, i want to give some updates thank you to all of those who have listened as we've gotten into our first couple of movies on this podcast we're still developing this little project uh finding the right vibes and so on to that effect jen and i have decided to switch up the name of the show we're now going to call it harry and jen do horror with friends And we think it just kind of makes more sense given the actual tone of these conversations and and what they embody. So we're still going to do the same stuff we've been developing, you know, analysis, criticism, witty banter, just under a new name. Uh, I'm also going to take this moment to ask once again to help us find new people with these conversations. If you have a horror nerd bud, why not share this little podcast, huh? It would be lovely to keep growing this project into 2024. All right, without further ado, let's do Five Nights at Freddy's. Even without possessed animatronics, right? This is a really dangerous thing to be doing for a thousand dollars.
1: And Lightfoot, I'm a tattoo artist and an artist, and I am very tired tonight. So my drink of choice uh, tonight is wine and coke, which is what somebody made me recently, and it's surprisingly delicious. Can you? <laughs> it's just like yeah, like like half wine and half coke.
0: What kind of wine?
1: red wine huh <laughs> I don't remember what the bottle said
0: so do you have it do you have it cold or do you have it warm
1: it's cold that's a good question though it's mainly uh the temperature of what the coke was which was in the fridge so gotcha yeah it's like a trash person's drink is what, what do you
0: mean. oh no it's not a trash person's drink it's, it's the insightful yogurt. person's drink you're you're a, you're a pioneer what I do you pair know. it with that's my question
1: Oh, I don't know. Uh...
2: Justin, I think you've already got the pair, the Coke and the wine. Like, you've already got two very different things
0: together. And
2: Yeah, true.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That might be as much stuff as you can mix. Yeah, you can't put more in <laughs>
0: there. I would, I would pair it with a, a steak and Twizzlers. Hi, I'm Harry Nichols. I am uh, an English teacher. I am a, song, a singer-songwriter, and I am also very tired. I am not drinking wine and Coke. I'm drinking seltzer Um, and I have nothing else to say. Tonight, we're ruining the night of Megan Poston. Megan, thank you for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me on, guys. I'm happy to be here. And I have to say, I'm also grateful that you did not give me too terrifying of a movie
0: hmm. You could
2: have ruined my night worse than
0: you did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to so we wanted to ask you what what is your relationship with horror like what how did where do you stand on that?
2: I hate it uh, passionately. I guess my starting place is when I was babysitting when I was in eighth grade, I think I was about 13 and i was babysitting for these three kids and their parents said oh we rented this movie once don't watch it with kids but when the kids go to sleep watch this if you want to and it was silence of the lambs and i watched um, it alone babysitting and i remember sitting next to this huge window and just the black night outside and i have never gotten over that yeah that's
1: a, like that's a dark fucking movie to watch at 13 like for your first horror movie it mm. was dark <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i feel like usually kids get ushered into scary movies with like well like five nights at freddy's you know, yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> um, like popcorn you know poppy teen stuff but that's 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 a that's a grown-up movie
1: <laughs> i love that they were like oh child here's silence of the lamps watch this what oh my god you know
2: i think i was very mature as a babysitter but i was not very mature as a movie viewer i was not ready i'm, the, I'm still not ready but yeah i feel like five nights at freddy's is more of a of a gateway horror movie and mm-hmm. i appreciate this choice because i don't think that it will haunt me as deeply as the <laughs> So well, then,
0: can I ask one follow-up question then? How did you, because I'm always curious, we've had a couple of people who do this podcast who are just like, I hate horror movies. And mm-hmm. so my question is, how, why did you say yes to this?
2: <laughs> I don't know. And before <laughs> I watched the movie, I admit <laughs> I did have some regret <laughs> because I didn't know what the movie was gonna be or how scary it was gonna be. And I was like, wait, I was thinking back to my Silence of the lamb experience I was like, what am I doing? This is dangerous for me. Um But for Jen, Jen asked me and I didn't want, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk to Jen. So even mm-hmm. if it was terrifying. I was like,
1: remember when I texted you, I was like, Hey, do you want to do five nights at Freddy's? And you were like, like Freddy Krueger. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, it's like a tween horror. You were like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I was like, uh, I mean, yeah, tween horror. There's a couple gruesome moments, though, in it.
0: We'll have to get into it, yeah. Yeah. We'll
1: get there. The one (laughs) other thing we do is the guest has to summarize the movie. So how would you give a short summary of it? So our main character is a
2: guy named Mike. He um, has been struggling. He's been losing some jobs. And he is haunted by um, the memory of the disappearance of his brother when they were little kids. And he ends up getting a job as a night security guy at this creepy place called Freddy's that's like Chuck E. Cheese that has been out of commission for 20 years or something like that.
0: So like Chuck E. Cheese.
2: So exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like if Chuck E. Cheese, when Chuck e. Cheese shut down, if the, if the store and the space never actually left, it's like that. And weird things start to go down um, he has a little sister who he's in charge of, and there's some family conflict because the aunt is trying to get this little girl. Um, but yeah, things things get things get creepy at Freddy's. There are animatronic animals who turn out to be inhabited by abducted children in some way that I was a little bit confused by. Mm-hmm. And there is a battle for the life and soul, I think, of Abby. And in the end, Mike and Abby escape alive. I should also mm-hmm. say it's a hot cop along the way who um, has some ties to Freddy's.
0: That's right. Yeah. There's a lot of hot people in this movie, actually. This is, it's one of my, one of my main – And I, I, we, I, we always jump right to critique and we always like blow past analysis. So I don't want to do that. But I do just want to briefly state for the record that one of my pet peeves in horror movies is horror movies about beautiful people in scary situations, unless uh-huh. it's supposed to be that kind of movie. Uh-huh. I digress.
1: <laughs> yes, it's like a CW TV show in like a movie. Like they all look like, like I don't know, teen models. <laughs>
0: like- yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to go around briefly and just talk about some, uh, you know, as we have mentioned, this is this is the section where I, I, I try to give this movie probably a little more credit maybe than it deserves. But I always want like to go around and just get like an analytical take from people. Uh, like, what do you feel like are some of the deeper themes, messages, ideas, perspectives that this movie reveals? Um, and uh, I, does anyone want to go first?
2: So I actually thought that the, some of the ideas in this movie were really interesting. Um, I felt like it was thinking about the psychology of facing the past and dealing with traumatic guilt. Um, so the fact that this main character, when he was, how old was
0: he when this happened? Seven or something? Like single digits, definitely
2: single digits, definitely single digits. And he witnesses his brother getting abducted when he was like supposed to be watching over him. And so I I think there is something really interesting about like what how people cope with that over Mm. years and decades and what happens when you have this guilty, awful traumatic situation as a little kid. And how do you Mm. wrestle with that? There's also a lot of things with dreams and what dreams do and what you're trying to process with those. So I thought it was pretty interesting there. There's some stuff definitely about the relationship between the human and machines. And we've got a lot of that with our creepy animatronic guys. I'm a little confused by some of the biology of that actually, how it's working and we can maybe get into the details. Um, And also some, some thinking about family court and custody law. Mm. So, you know, we got some heavy hitters, I think, with some of the issues. Yeah,
0: there's a lot there. <laughs> That's interesting. I so for me, I I also like I felt like there was maybe sort of like uh like a light capitalist critique, like capitalism critique in it as well. <laughs> um but yeah, certainly all those things. You mentioned that dream book. Maybe we can start there, just like what like that that book of dreams, like I, I, there's so many shots of it, right? It's just like so many images of that dream book. It's hard to, hard to miss. I don't know. Um, I mean, Jen, you're, you're a visual person. Like, do you, did, like, did that like raise any flags for you? It's
1: funny. I did not write that in my notes huh. at all. Uh, I mean, I definitely, I think wrote more about like what Megan was saying about like trauma. Oh, all right so much trauma and like uh parental relationships even if it's not parental like Mm. caring for child non-conventional type families um but the book yeah i'm not sure what to make of the book because we focus more i feel like on the medication that he takes and how he goes into his dream process than like what the book actually says like it's sort of like he mentions it to like I guess his co-worker at the mall mm-hmm. in the beginning um I don't know I feel like we get like the mechanics of how the book is telling him how mm-hmm. to go deeper into his dreams it's like he I don't know he just has this sense that when he's in Freddy's he can get closer to Garrett yeah but yeah what Garrett isn't one of the kids.
0: Why I is- know. <laughs> I had to. I had to look that up at the end. I was like, "But wait, which kid was Garrett?" And it turns out that he was none of them. Um, none. some nerds on the internet think that he's like the cupcake or like the the yeah. little cake thing. That, but anyway, I, like
1: I like some nerds on the internet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Reddit. I mean. <laughs> that's yeah definitely some nerds on the internet those are some nerds on the i mean look um yeah i i I agree i think that the book is like more of just like a way of of thinking about his sort of like failed attempt at um like he for for so much of this movie he's like trying to reclaim this moment from his from his past you know what i mean um to the detriment of his present right uh and and the book is kind of a like just the vehicle that that he's trying to to use to do that i think um mm-hmm. this is one of those movies that like states uh, one of its themes just outright near the end when he says something along the lines of like i was so fixated on the past that like i forgot to pay attention to the present right um so so yeah so there's that um I thought it was also interesting uh, one of the things that I did like uh about this movie was was the the way the restaurant serves as like like a second shot at redemption for for that situation and it even uh like the the little girl Abby even like goes so far as to like say that it's like just like camping uh when she's like sleeping in the in the um security or- office you know to sort of say that, like this is okay. Like now we are doing this again, right? Um, so yeah, I thought that that was like an interest, that was a, a level of subtlety that I was not expecting from, you know, a movie based on a web game.
2: I felt like th- the book was called Dream Theory, right? Yes. So. Um, and I did. I looked it up to see if that was an actual book, and it said something that I didn't even understand what this meant. And I could have gone and read the whole article, but I didn't. It said that it was. It referred to the Five Nights at Freddy's Six Maze minigame. Oh, so it's something like in the game. But one thing I thought it was interesting is he really does have a theory of dreams, and that was kind of unique. And he talked about how there's this idea that we don't actually forget anything; mm-hmm. we just can't access it, but it's all sort of recorded somewhere in our mind and so he wants to sleep so that he can go and try to retrieve the memories of that day and try to figure out who the man was who took Garrett Mm -hmm. so I I thought it was kind of a fascinating way to think about dreams I really liked that part
1: I really like that part too and I feel like that also is like With trauma, how they're like, oh, if you can't remember something from a like a traumatic moment, like it is trauma, like, you know, you block out certain things, you like forget them. So it kind of makes sense that he had a trauma and was blocking it out, but maybe could remember it. I don't know. Yeah. I also felt like the the dream thing was very like a 90s thing. Like we were all into dreams in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And I felt like this had like a Casper 90s, like. Uh, sentimental spooky vibe like it was totally. like that uh, yeah gateway but like I don't know like even the aunt villain felt like like Joan she's side. that
0: like, awful woman from Casper absolutely yeah, she with is the, the Python awful. guy mm-hmm. right like have you all yes. seen Casper
1: yes no. I love it, I love it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh it's, it's such a cute like family movie it's got Bill Pullman I have a soft spot for Bill Pullman
1: me too uh, yeah Mm-hmm
0: uh, yeah. But you're right, the, the evil aunt is is cartoonish, isn't she? She's like, she's so mean that we, like, don't even really know her name for, for so much of the movie. I, like, I wrote her down at first as just, like, Aunt Mean Lady or something <laughs> like that. And I think literally, like, 40 or 50 minutes into the movie, they call her, they say that she's Aunt Jane. <laughs> or aunt oh, Jane. is that
1: when she's on the floor? And the little boy's like, oh, silly Aunt Jane.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That might be it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, something like that. So, yeah, I thought that that was, I thought that that was interesting. And I think that that is also something that, um, that people point to as far as like the, the interesting gray area that this, this movie occupies as far as like genre is concerned Hmm. and, and style. Um, which we have referred to as tween horror, which I, I think is a, like absolutely accurate, hmm.
1: um, and it's PG thirteen too. They're
0: it is pretty- PG thirteen. Well, it, it it had to be. So, like, so for those for for listeners, for those of you who don't know, right, Five Nights at Freddy's is based on a, a video game. It's based on a web game, um, and it is something. It was like a big. Uh, I got to look up when it actually came out but I remember it being like a big like like just pre-pandemic game maybe Yes. And so like it's it's desired audience is like my current students who are like I mean they're teenagers but they're drawing on their nostalgia for for like the ages of 11, 12, 13 hmm. stuff like that. So it yeah, it like it for me, like the genre of it kind of sat sour, but like, I think that it's it's just like a, a, a factor of it not really being for me, you know, or for people of our age bracket.
2: Mm-hmm. I found it perfect for my age bracket.
0: You liked <laughs> yeah. it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I thought it was for late 30s, early 40s. <laughs> it <was perfect>.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I loved it too, but I felt like it was like. Yeah, I felt like it was for like younger people, but I was like, oh, this is for our age too because it's a callback to like some of those like movies we grew up with. Like it just mm. felt like and it didn't feel like uh what I call the it problem, which is like or the stranger things. So it's like an ensemble of children running around and like solving things. Like mm. did it, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark did it, like it was nice to see a tween movie that wasn't doing that. Like it was mm. like, had a new plot.
0: <laughs> yeah. I definitely sensed some of the, like, like it It definitely picked up on like the, the sort of fetishizing the eighties a little, a little bit. Like there was some of that in there, but yeah, I agree. It's not like kind of like, um, I think of the source material of like stranger things and, and those kinds of movies as really being very much like E.T., you
2: mm, yeah. know, which
0: yeah, is um, like this band of like rascally kids who are just like doing stuff like being being bad, but serving a higher purpose that their parents don't understand. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to also maybe just just pick your brains a little bit about my my feelings on like a like a capitalist critique in the in this movie. If we can, if before we like move into like critiquing it and talking about what was good and bad, um, I felt like there was this moment in uh, so, so first of all, let's like big picture here Chuck E. Cheese, right? That whole concept of um, an animatronic arcade is is such a product of the exact time that it came from, which, which was the like late seventies, early eighties. And they were places that were designed to be, uh, like, like traps, right? Like, like family trap, like you, you go there as a family and the point of the place is to just like, wow you with novelty and suck the money out of you. Right. Um, there's a really fascinating, uh, podcast decoder ring so they they just take like different like um myths and pop culture stuff sometimes it's just interesting stories from history and they just like tell them but there's one really fascinating one about uh the Chuck E. cheese wars which is there were two rival essentially chucky e. cheese companies that um you know were, we're trying to do the same thing at once and it, it talks very much about it as like uh a business of novelty and a and a and A business that was about exploiting the novelty of animatronics to you know uh, to take these like wealthy middle-class families in the 1980s and 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 get as much money out of them as humanly possible and so when I think about that and I think about you know this movie being set in like a abandoned Chuck E. Cheese right like that kind of like turned some of those things on in my brain and then there was also just this moment it was so weird like when the babysitter max is first introduced into the movie um she's like watching tv and uh she's watching like qvc or something and they're they're she's showing some kind of like wedding ring or something she says Uh, oh, i wish i had somebody to buy me a wedding ring right mm-hmm. and I, at first i thought that she was like like interested in Mike or like she attracted to Mike or something and trying to like hint that way at Mike. But then it turned out that she was, uh, you know, plotting against Mike and, and didn't really show any other interest in Mike in a way. And so I thought maybe that was just more about her desire for that thing. And then there was the fact that was it her brother who was like also plotting against Mike, like that aunt mean lady was trying to pay her brother And her to, like, get information, get the dirt, right? And it seemed like they were doing it for, like, not a ton of money, right? It was, like, $200 for her to, like, do night after night of babysitting. And $1,000 to take on this, like, huge legal liability of, like, right? (laughs) And so it just got me thinking about, like, money, poverty, like, the way that economics influences how like how this movie plays out um
1: it opens up in a mall pretty much when he's the security guard in a mall which is like another like space of like sucking you dry of your money
0: yeah absolutely absolutely i don't know like it's, is there anything there am i just like kind of grasping at the wrong straws what do you think i just the other fun ad that was in there was for the chia pet yeah like, like they're
2: just the inclusion of of commercials of a certain era was kind of an interesting thing and I mean in terms of the I guess to me the aunt's motivation was not super clear but it seemed like it was about greed from what Mike said was like you know she just wants she doesn't even care she just wants the money from the government for you know fostering a child or something like that um so I don't know where I'm going with that in terms of connecting it to this but uh.
0: but but yeah I mean it seems like you know in that way sort of the the lurking monster that is not really spoken is that desire for for like monetary reward Mm -hmm. sort of if that makes any sense I don't know like it's not the primary monster but it seems like a notable secondary one
1: is Mm -hmm. that only with the um villains per se, that they are the greedy ones. Cause I feel like Mike gets the job so that it looks good to the court for mm-hmm. his sister, not for money reasons. Yeah. Um I yeah, little girl mm-hmm. doesn't seem to care about toys. She wants to play with friends. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that there is a distinction to be made between like why Mike takes the job and why max and her brother take the job right like or or is there or like is everybody just like does everybody just have the boot on their neck financially throughout this whole movie except maybe for aunt what's her face i don't know yeah
2: she is the one who's trying i'd say she has the most in her presentation comes across as the one who has the most money um but who's also Greedy and also cheap in terms of like, you know, because uh, doesn't the guy Max's brother says we'll do this for two thousand dollars and she says
0: no a thousand and yes. like this is something that they get killed for like this is a very dangerous right well it's a dangerous even without possessed animatronics right this is a really dangerous thing to be doing for thousand yeah. dollars it's high risk it's high risk because
2: like if prison if it's not that you get killed by these animatronic things it is prison that is the risk you're running. And that is pretty rough. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And it, she clearly, you get the vibe that she clearly has $2,000. She clearly,
2: just, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. The other, I guess, weird thing is hanging on to this Chuck E. Cheese, the guy who's the owner, but at that point posing as the career counselor in the beginning and advising Mike about this potential job um when he describes this place you know he says something about the the owner i don't know holding on to it i mean there's something there's something weird about holding on to this place when it is not making you money and it's only costing you money so it's like it's no longer a profitable business and it's no longer kind of fitting within that capitalist logic of money-making and yet at the same time it is for this like weird perverse like creepy personal mm. game so I don't know quite what to make of how he fits into the logic of all that
0: well I think maybe if we like take the I don't know I'm just kind of shooting from the hip at this point but like maybe if we take the idea of that like this this commitment to like this capitalist vision that is not even serving you anymore Um, But that you still just have this kind of like this dirty investment in. Right. Because like his investment in it is these dead children that he has killed and and stuck in these robots. Um, You know, maybe that's like maybe that's saying something about this sort of national awareness of capitalism and like where we are. where like, you know, more and more people recognize that there are like real huge flaws to it. Um, and yet there's still just this kind of, like, dig your heels in mentality out there about it, um, even probably among people who are, are ready to admit the the flaws in it. I don't know. I'm just kind of – I'm yeah. throwing it out there. I, I like it as an idea, though.
1: And his is kind of like a – it reminds me of, like, how a serial killer would keep um... – trophies so it's not really related to like capitalism necessarily but it is also like objects that you would own and possess which I feel like does go along with capitalism Mm -hmm.
2: in terms of those trophies too and like acquiring the kids the business that is supposed to consume the money of families by hooking their kids and getting the kids to beg to stay and play more games and all that ends up literally consuming the kids Mm -hmm. there's that moment when it talks about um no, is it uh, Vanessa, the police officer, who's the daughter of the owner? And she says something like, no, it's not just that the ghosts embody them. It's that their actual bodies or something. Do you guys remember? Yeah, that? yeah
1: like their bodies. They're, they're Are in the cages. In, yeah. Which, just a question. They said that the cops searched the whole place at <laughs> the time. Wouldn't, like i get it that it's not gonna smell now because it's been so many years and like whatever there's no skin or whatever anymore but like at the time wouldn't there be some kind of like stench or odor <laughs> it's too dark though i mean it's a tween movie they can't be like oh it smelled like decomposing flesh so,
0: <laughs>
1: I so yeah
0: i uh, that doesn't bother me so much. It, that's like a meaningful or a willingful suspension of disbelief thing for me. I don't know. Oh yeah, I gotta, no, I
1: don't care. It's just like it didn't <laughs>
0: bother me too much. But yes, I, I agree. And then there's the one robot that is basically just the skeleton, right? Oh,
1: yeah. The fox. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that didn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, to the to the idea of consuming children, right? Uh, of the families that are supposed to. Be spending money at this Chuck E. Cheese like metaphor for capitalism. Um, I, I like, I mean, you know, that it, I, maybe that is the main critique of capitalism that I have been trying to put my finger on. And what is maybe ultimately on a meta level, kind of like the main critique of capitalism overall, which is just that it is like this unsustainable thing right it's this thing that's it's not gonna last forever and the the cost you pay for it is the the lives in the world of future generations right so in that sense like it also kind of consumes children right which is cool and it's 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 a lot of credit <laughs> to give <laughs> to five nights at freddy's okay yeah,
1: <laughs> really <laughs> Really went real deep into it.
0: You know, uh,
2: I mean, it might not be that the director or screenwriter or whatever even had this intent, but the text itself is doing this, right?
0: Right, <laughs> and this is what this is what I deal in, right? As an English teacher, <laughs> so yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Me too. Me too. Um, right on. Right on. Whatever they whatever they intended doesn't really matter, but the text is doing this.
1: Which speaking <laughs> of the director, I just want to say it's a woman director which is unfortunately very rare in horror movies so have, i think though i feel like i read something where the first two directors were fired or left or something so i feel like it was yeah. a,
0: it, i think this film was announced in 2015 if i read if i remember correctly oh. yeah didn't it come it, out in was it what year did it come out this year last year yeah last we, like yeah. october or something yeah If I'm remembering correctly. So I I guess my ideas of it being like a pre-pandemic thing might not have been quite accurate. Let me look it up exactly when did this game come out.
1: One thing about that, while you look that up, is the puppets. One thing I loved about this is that it wasn't CGI. The puppets were real, actual puppets. And so I found this Entertainment uh, Weekly article, and I'm just going to read the quote. Um, Who is this quote from... From the director, (laughs) Uh, quote, they did have a life of their own at times. She said each of the different um, moving parts on the animatronic animatronic was puppeteered by a different person. So the Hmm. eyes were controlled by someone, the arms were controlled by someone, the ears and jaws were controlled by a different puppeteer. So like they were actual, like, real tangible. Oh,
0: cool. I thought it was people in a suit. They were animatronics?
1: I think it sounds like they were like, controlled by them yeah because it says uh the puppeteers had a remote control in their hand um i don't know who made them though
0: huh. that's oh. so cool that that's so like 90s spielberg i I have great respect for that that's awesome
1: they were built by jim henson's creature shop so mm. i just i miss real effects so
0: <laughs> me too no i love practical effects I always look better than not that practical <laughs>
1: So wait, did you find what year it was?
0: It, it was, so the game came out in 2014. So I, apparently I misremembered earlier, but yeah. Yeah, and, and the movie was announced shortly after the success of the game and it has been kind of like a troubled production history.
1: I mean, I think it did well in the theaters though.
0: I think it did, yeah. I, largely because of my students.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I picked this movie because, um, so I, I made my students write in auto by a, a set of, personal essays this year and Mm -hmm. um, more than one of them, you know, of the many topics that they could have discussed uh, wrote about seeing the five nights at Freddy's premiere. And I thought this is, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think it. I think it speaks to the idea that this is very much a movie for like a really select audience. Um, And that audience is young and you know what? Something also that I think are you know, we, someone said that the uh, the the Dream Book is like a feature of one of the offshoots of the games is that there's like there's kind of a complicated set of stories and backstories to these games that like we aren't really privy to. Um, and that might also you know, help people to understand what goes on in the movie and to analyze it and examine it and, and think about it, too. So I think that's just worth considering and throwing out there that there's like a whole other kind of layer to this, that because we are the ages we are and the interests that we have, like we just don't have access to it. after watching the movie I I did download the the original game on my Switch because it's on Switch now and Mm -hmm. I played through one round of Five Nights at Freddy's because although I love horror films and can put myself through the most eviscerating brutal of horror films uh, six minutes in a horror video game and I am like peeing myself on the couch and weeping (laughs) in a corner. I just can't I can't handle it.
2: Why? What do you think is different about the experience?
0: The it's the it's the idea of agency in it. The idea that I am making the decisions of what happens rather than passively watching someone else's decisions uh-huh. um, makes a huge difference. Totally.
1: So like walking through a haunted house would be kind yeah. of it. Oh, yeah, I can't. I love horror movies. I cannot walk through a haunted house.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm fine with a haunted house because those usually are really tacky and just like like stupid. And I don't know. They don't bother me as much as a horror video game, which is like full horror film production level. Like you, like you are in a horror film, but you're choosing what to do and not do. It's very – it's disturbing for me. Anyway, all that to say, I, I downloaded the game and I played it. And I noticed that there is a certain... There is a certain cheekiness to it. Like, um, so the game is a lot of what you see in the movie. But the idea is that you are just standing in the security room. And you have access to uh, two doors. One on either side of you. And the whole point of the game is to watch the security feed of different rooms. And then close the doors before... Close one of the doors before one of the figures gets to you, basically. Right. Um, But as you're watching the security feed and you're seeing the figures move around the restaurant, um, they're funny. They like are like winking at you in the camera and like being kind of silly. And. You know, it there's like a whole like tone thing there that I think is translated into the movie. But because I wasn't aware of that tone thing, I I was not super into it when I watched the movie. I don't know. How do you all feel about the tone of the movie?
2: Well, I have a question actually related to tone and to humor, since you mentioned them being kind of funny. There Mm -hmm. were a few moments, and I'm going to go back to my notes to see if I can find them all. um, But when I laughed out loud and one of them was when Vanessa comes to the house and Mike opens the door and um, Abby is standing there too. And she says, Mike, um, Mike didn't tell me he had a daughter and Abby just goes gross. <laughs> and, I yeah. thought, and there were a couple of different moments like that, where there was a character just who said something that actually made me laugh. And so I was curious from you guys with the actual horror experience, is that common that there are those lighter, humorous moments or is it not
1: I would say it depends on the movie so like like the ones that we had mentioned like Casper and Adam's family from the 90s I think combine like humor and spookiness together without being like a horror comedy because they're like yeah, yeah. but like Jordan Peel's Us the beginning mm. is very funny like mm. it really blends humor and horror and then it kind of goes more into the horror than the humor um but I do think they're like uh even even some of the slashers like Chucky like the whole Chucky series most of it I should say is like so campy ridiculous um kind of like meant to be funny or like Freddie's one-liners are like kind of like not super serious. Um it's not quite the same humor. Yeah. But I kind of think that humor and horror do go together in yeah. a way.
0: I I do think that humor is a it's useful, you know, <laughs> in a in a in a movie. Um with this movie because it is like I feel like it is trying to it's a little trying to reach for a young audience. I feel like it's trying to be a gateway horror movie like we Mm -hmm. like we've been saying. And and so it's got this whole like middle act that's like it's like not a horror movie. Mm -hmm. You know,
1: the middle act where they build the fort like that. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That whole it's not a scary movie. It's it. Yeah, it feels like like a Jim Henson movie, you know.
1: It's very sentimental,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's weird.
2: I want to throw out there just one of the other funny moments and see if you guys enjoyed this too, but it was when Mike goes to the pharmacist to get more sleeping pills and the pharmacy guy, it was being so sweet. He's like, well, you know what works for me? And he starts to talk about it and I think Mike just walks out and then the pharmacist goes, what an asshole. Yes, yes. (laughs) And (laughs) it just like kind of caught me by surprise, but in a way it just... Was funny, and I guess it also goes with the tween thing. Like, is
1: that the most extreme language we actually got in the movie? Asshole.
0: I think so. There is not an F word in it, is there?
1: Uh, well, an F word I think would make it an R rating, wouldn't it? Like, are there you certain can have in one or the other?
0: I think there's a there is a concrete number of fucks you can have in a movie, mm-hmm. um, before it becomes R rated, and I'm about to look that up.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I don't know what constitutes like what what's the like what's the line of pg-13 and r yeah yeah
2: well the the, the pharmacist he's the one i think who might have gotten as
1: closest <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's not like super bloody or gory either because mm-hmm. i think one of the more shocking kills is when the like bear robot bites the uh <laughs> is it max in half and like yes. and i was like oh shit. <laughs> but like it's in like a silhouette so it's like yeah you know, children
2: yeah it's also a little funny because it's just kind of i don't know confusing and it's like it's a really clean cut you know he just bites it right in half and it's not that much of a mess
0: it is weird isn't it yeah it's a bizarre death (laughs) so just to answer our question um this is from uh cnbc Uh, And I'm quoting here from this article. There are exceptions, usually when the word is just repeated in a short time or used as a part of an emotional scene. But any movie with more than three F-bombs likely couldn't remain PG-13. And if the word is used to signify sex, the film automatically gets an R rating. So I don't know if you all know Mm -hmm. anything about the MPAA, the the motion picture. Is that what they're called? I think so. The rating, they, bizarre uh, criteria for how they rate things and an interesting study into the Puritanism of America. But um, but yes, yeah, so there's your answer. <laughs> three.
1: That seems like, <sighs> like if a child hears it three times, what's the difference? With, like, arbitrary, yeah. Totally
0: arbitrary, <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs>
2: Jen, you didn't give your oh. take on the
1: tone. Oh, I like the tone. I feel like it fits with that, like, tween type thing. Like, I feel yeah. like, because I, I do feel, I'm trying to think of other new ones that have come out besides, uh, what do you call it? Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and Goosebumps. Mm. And it's not even that recent, and I can't think of other ones. Yeah. Clearly I'm not the demographic, but um, right. I feel like I liked, I also felt like this one, was a little bit more on the dramatic side than some of those. Mm. I actually kind of liked that it was like kind of sweet and sentimental at times um, mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. just humor. But the tone didn't yeah. bother I felt like the tone was consistent throughout the film.
0: Oh, so- I. I wholeheartedly disagree. What?
1: (laughs) I don't know. I do.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Act one was very grim. Like, I felt like act two was very family. And then act three, like, kind of tried to do a little bit of both, I felt like. Tell me which act is which. (laughs) All right. So, like, from the beginning. So, from, uh, you know, we open with a security guard frantically trying to escape the the security room. Oh, that scene! Right, we open with that. hi I love me. Finish. We we open with that, and then that through. I'd say Mike's first night at Freddy's felt very. I don't know. It felt like they were really focusing on the like, um, the struggle, uh, like Mike's struggle to. You know, hold down a job and, uh, you know, with also like the dark scariness of the uh, of Freddy's. Also, you know, maybe this goes through the the attempted sabotage on Freddy's Max and her brother have tried to break in, but they all get have, you know, they're murdered in a grisly manner. Then then after Max is dead, what is what I'm thinking of is act two where Abby has to come to work with Mike and that 's when it's a family film, and it 's just like a bunch of people having fun with puppets and like building forts and shit, and like she 's making great friends with them and then after th- after he promises them Abby unwittingly in his dreams that 's when Act three cues up, and that 's when it gets again it gets more violent again and and darker
1: but do you, don't you do you feel like there were little bits of humor throughout because like the kill like the cupcake it's actually like the cupcake is the first one to really like come alive and attack mm-hmm. um and it's so fucking cute and like stupid like that a cupcake mm-hmm. would do that um mm-hmm. like i feel like there's like humor
0: in not that. that there isn't not that there isn't humor throughout because i agree with you there is humor throughout but i for me what what for me makes the different vibes is the sense of impending danger,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know, Um, which is really wholly absent from that middle section that I mentioned. You know what?
2: I actually thought that for me, maybe the scariest part was in that middle section and it ends up not leading to something scary, but it's when Abby's in her tent or in her fort in the security office And there's a voice that comes in and we don't see the presence, but that says her name and she gets up and she kind of taps on Mike and he doesn't wake up. And she's like, I'm, you know, she's going to go look around or whatever. And she, it turns out, like you're saying, she just, she's playing with them and she ends up having a good time. But I actually wrote down scariest part. I feel sick right now Mm. about that. And I think partly because it would have been, so awful for him I actually was especially worried for Mike at that point because I'm like if he loses another kid and he has to (laughs) live with his sister dying it's it's just like emotionally and psychologically too much and I can't handle it so I found that part to be terrifying
1: that's so interesting I kind of love that like it's the moment that cuz nothing's happening like maybe there's the most suspense or worry in that that the, like nothing's yeah. happening so you're expecting something to happen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns out they're they're in that circle and you can't see what they're doing for a while and then it turns out they were tickling her. Right.
1: <laughs> how do how do giant metal puppets
0: t- t- tickle someone? We're not going to ask that question. We're not going to ask that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of Funny that we all have different like uh, interpretations of like the tone or what was happening in moments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that's what's really. I mean, that's really interesting. Actually, one of the things I wrote down about this movie was that it was tonally confused. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wrote it in. Yeah, you want to see my like my crazy chicken scratch writing right there? It says tonally confused. Right. there. I like there. it. That's
1: like, the out of all your notes, like, it's just written, like, huge across the page. <laughs> it really
0: is. It's, like, all caps. I wrote a, I actually wrote a lot of notes on this movie. Like, <laughs> more than I've written about other movies uh, that are much more serious. I feel like there is a real disagreement between the critics and the fans on this movie. Um, if you go to Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, critics are giving this thing, like, 30%. Like, 30 like and fans are giving it like 90 percent um that's
1: interesting
0: and, and i think that it is i think that there is something interesting in the fact that like n- we none of us agree on what the tone of this movie is that it, there's just a certain je qua quoi about it maybe it's about the audience may like, right, again maybe we're just the wrong audience or whatever um but I, I just think that it's that it's interesting. It says something maybe about the overall quality of the film. And I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, honestly. Do <laughs> you, know, like...
1: you think since you mentioned the 30% and the 90%, yeah. I think you should rate it?
0: I'll go first, but it's going to be a really boring answer. It's going to be like, like, like. Like six, like totally mid, you know. Um, I
1: just thought you were going to give
0: it lower. <laughs> no, I mean, I. Th- it, so my my rating is because, um, you know, I was not particularly thrilled by it. So I am taking in my own personal reaction to the film, um, but also, I. I, I, my rating is seriously mitigated by the by the fact that I really do think that, like, I am not the target audience of this movie, and, um, and also by the fact that I, you know, I haven't really played that much Five Nights at Freddy's or 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 dived into the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's. And there's just like this whole seething, you know, horde of people on the internet who really have and have spent. over a decade on it at this point you know um and so yeah just like from from my own lack of um excitement about it and my feeling like there's something about it that i'm just not getting that's what produces just like i just i feel like i have to by default just give it like a "Mm," in the middle
1: megan what would you give it can I score it
0: like
2: ice skating and give it, don't they do like an execution score and uh, um, like a difficulty score or something like that? Allow it. <laughs> I <wanna give> it <laughs> okay. So I want to give it a nine for difficulty <laughs> and for the ideas that it's thinking about. I felt like the backstory and the psychological parts of it were really, really interesting. Um, I thought the thing with dreams was really interesting. I thought the stuff with trauma was super interesting, but for execution, I think I'd give it more like a five because I don't think I really wanted to see that explored through the animatronics. <laughs> and I just felt like there were moments where I was like, wait, how did we get from those children who were abducted to these Metal creatures, like I just am, I feel like I'm missing several steps of the logic there, which might have just been me, and maybe I needed to study it more closely. Um, but I think I'm going to average it out at a seven.
0: Oh wow, it's uh, <laughs> higher than I thought you would have given it. Honestly,
2: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: I think part of it was
2: being pleasantly surprised by it not being so terrifying, because I was like, oh, whatever this is going to be, I'm going to come and giving it a three but i was like okay i'm i got through this fine it did not traumatize me so i i think that deserves a low C.
1: yeah i feel like i i watched it twice cuz i had seen it when it first came out and then mm-hmm. i watched it again today mm-hmm. <laughs> before work and after work i split it up cuz i was like oh shit i don't remember anything from this movie and i need to watch it um and I really enjoyed it because it reminded me of those movies that I really liked when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And there was something in that. I agree, Megan, I really liked that sense, like that backstory, it was complicated. Um, and I remember reading some review where they were like, oh, we hated the like child being abducted. I'm like, this is the whole fucking plot. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was interesting. It felt new, it felt different. I liked the visuals. I liked that it was practical effects. Um, yeah, there's loopholes, but it's a kid's movie, so it mm-hmm. can't be like, yes, he chopped off the bodies and shoved them <laughs> in the metal pieces. <laughs> like, it gets too dark. It um, can't really give me what I'm looking for in <laughs> doing it all the stuff. Just like a whiteboard with, like, how it was done. <laughs> um, I feel like I wavered between a 6.5 and a 7. Um I feel like my fucking ratings for this podcast are all over the goddamn place. And I feel yeah. like <laughs> And I've
0: so realized I'm not agreeing. I- I'm just saying I I, I am um I'm emp- I'm sympathizing because I feel the same. I feel like yeah.
1: Oh good, okay. I thought you were like, yeah, Jen. <laughs> yeah, sure
0: Jen, uh, you have to get your shit together because this is a disaster.
1: Well, <laughs> I realized I rate them not not by how they were made, not by how well whatever. But if I like them personally, and if I'd watch it again, and I would, I feel like this could become like a comfort horror movie. Mm -hmm. So I I think I'm going to go with a seven. Um, I do what I don't before I forget. One other thing I wrote in my notes was uh, at the end when the little blonde kid, I forget, does he have a name? Maybe he doesn't have a name. Do Uh, any of them. (laughs) It's not important. <laughs> the victims' names, whatever. Uh, he shuts the door on um, Matthew Lillard. And I just was like, oh my God, it's like Saw when they shut the door and it's like game over. But I was like, it's yes. a child doing it. I was like, I find that very funny. <laughs> oh,
2: no. Ooh, yeah. I wonder if that connects to the game. Because you were saying, right, the game you have to close the doors before the guys. Yeah, get- that's like
0: uh-huh. the only agency you have in the game is to close uh-huh. the doors at the right time. Yeah.
1: Well I wonder I mean- if, yeah, that would make sense.
0: That boy closed the door at the right time. He sure did. Can we talk about the fuck moments? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. my, what the fuck moment was my slow dawning realization that it was Matthew Lillard in this movie. Um, because the very first scene that we see him and he's, you know, he's the, the career counselor and he's got, you know, kind of like a, a salt and pepper beard and he's looking older because he is older. And, uh, and and it just was this like slowly like man like I feel like I know this guy what have I seen him in holy shit it's shaggy right that, that was my like dawning realization that it was Matthew Lillard
1: that was your what the fuck moment yeah oh,
0: just realizing uh, it was Matthew Lillard that's my what the fuck moment
1: oh my god Megan what was yours I think it was probably when
2: Mike goes back to Freddie's with Abby and Vanessa's there and he says to her, I think ghost children are possessing giant robots. And that was the moment where I was like, wait, what? Like just how did you get so, how did you put this together so, so quickly? It felt like, Mm. it felt like he just put the, whole story together with very little kind of on ramp to get there
0: in very few words in
2: yes <laughs> very few words i was like oh wow what steps did i miss because i think that there were several so i think i think that was probably probably my what the fuck moment
0: i totally agree with that and also uh, my other my other what the fuck moment was the the scene where he realizes that she has some sort of extra sensory perception Y'all realize this? Like, when he, like, sees her drawings and she realizes he realizes that, like, she's been seeing the children
1: in her dreams
0: and, like, he just, like, he accepts this information so quickly.
1: So fast.
2: (laughs) He's like, yeah. So quickly. With that then, at the end, in order to shut the whole thing down, basically, he's like, oh, just draw a picture that tells the kids that this bunny is bad. And then it'll save the day. And it did. All she had to do was draw the picture of the bunny being the bad guy instead
0: of the happy. Well, Megan, because pictures are powerful for children. Pictures Can are you powerful. Hear the, the therapist say. <laughs> she did. And I think
2: that the plot proved pictures really are powerful.
1: <laughs> yes. Don't shit on don't say little artist kids are weird. I mean, because they're probably seeing ghost children. That were murdered by people dressed as rabbits.
0: Wait, wait Jen. Uh, what?
1: That's my childhood.
0: <laughs> did Did you see ghost children? Is that why? Yeah. Is that, yeah, is is my, that why you this make? This
1: is my, bio- art? my biography, my autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all artists do. What? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, my what the fuck moment was. uh Either I wasn't paying attention the first time I watched it, or I am that oblivious. But I was like, "Oh shit, Matthew Lillard is the killer!" So I did not see that coming. Didn't either. (laughs) Okay, good. All right, because I was seeing that coming.
0: (laughs) Oh, I, I'm, I did.
2: (laughs) And I mean, the guy did before, and I even wrote this down. Didn't he said at some point, "I'll see you on the flip side, hopefully." I mean, there were, like, there were definitely things that I felt like at the end, oh yeah, I probably should have known since he was like the only option. <laughs>
1: but there were no other, unless it was the it end. Like who, who would it be?
0: Yeah. So who's the hottest? The cop? Is it Mike? Is it Aunt Jane, her <laughs> lawyer?
1: Definitely the cop. You think it's the cop? Mm-hmm. That's your pick? It's me, yeah. I mean, the why not
0: um why not Mike, if I may.
2: I'd make an argument for Mike. I mean looks- he's kind of, I think he looks kinda I of, think he looks kinda um you know he's like scruffy and he's worn out he's having a hard time but I think I like I think I like a man with some psychological vulnerability and he's got mm. that. You know <laughs> someone you pick like six <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, you know, his hurt, it just just makes me wanna hug him.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. I feel like he's too sad too sad for me. Mm. <laughs> like it was annoying after a while. I'd be like, okay.
2: I was just gonna say how sadness factors into affect hotness ratings.
1: <laughs> you don't know Yeah, it has like a little sadness, but not too much sadness.
0: I think that Mike is if I may, it seems like he's too. Uh, he seems too fit for the level of sadness that it feels like he's dealing with. Is that is that offensive to say? I don't
1: know. <laughs> so he should be like, like, uh, more like disheveled looking, or like yeah. less, less pretty.
0: I think they tried to make him look a little disheveled. Like he has that kind of like patchy beard and his hair is kind of messy, but he's still pretty fit. You know what I mean? Like he's still, he looks good.
1: Mm-hmm. He does. Yeah. I will say
2: the police officer, she really holds it together considering everything going on in her life.
0: <laughs> yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That's I mean- a way of asserting control over a life that she can't control.
0: I felt like her hotness was, and and just her character overall, just felt very like two dimensional to me, and largely like uh de- like a device basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I like I literally uh, the I think the thing I said when she showed up in the movie because I was so done with this movie about hot people being scared was like, oh look. It's officer marriageable woman. I like
1: that the lack of realism takes away from the hotness for you.
0: <laughs> it does. And that that's very consistent with who I am. Yes.
2: <laughs> yeah. What about Max? I think she's worth consideration okay. too. Oh,
0: so yeah. listen, I, I be, and this dovetails right in with our conversation of realism and hotness. I was gonna pick I was gonna pick Max actually. Mm-hmm. Just because like there's like some real baggage there. You know what I mean? Like you could see it. Um and she felt like one of the realest characters to me in the whole movie. Uh mm-hmm. despite her bizarre uh halving, uh you know, that was her death, uh but you know, that didn't seem real yeah. but
2: <laughs> Yeah, cuz I think I was between I was between uh Mike and Max and I still I still am landing on on Mike. But I think she might be my number two.
1: Max has like some attitude too. Like she's Mm -hmm. pissed off a little bit. (laughs) You want to know why, but you kind of don't want to know why. (laughs)
2: This is a really random one other question for you guys please what did you think about the lighting because i think this movie made me realize that um bad electrical is just so powerful and so terrifying Mm. (laughs) if the lights don't work well and they flicker sometimes like nothing else for me has to be going on just the lights oh yeah
1: it's so creepy. I like. I really like the lighting. When you said that, I was like, "There's a sign I pass by on my way home all the time that mm-hmm. flickers. And it's just flickering because it's low on whatever it's low on, but it's fucking creepy." Yeah, um, yeah. Like the fact that it was like kind of like dark the whole time. Mm-hmm. The electrical mm-hmm. to work. I do have a question about that, though. Mentioning electrical at the end of the movie when they're like running out did I did I miss something why are all the lights falling off the ceiling and like things are suddenly falling apart
0: did I you... don't know just to make it feel like the end of Aladdin or some shit
1: what <laughs> <laughs> happened at the end of Aladdin
0: like I don't know like every Disney movie like ends with like the bad guy's lair falling apart in the end like
1: fair enough okay okay, okay I mean, this is layer falling apart. apart.
0: But I think that to speak more like generally about the idea of flickering lights and why they're scary, like darkness is one of the fundamental human fears, right? Yeah. Um, and the idea of flashing lights in between the darkness allows you to see a thing that is approaching you, but to not mark its every move. And so there's like still some guesswork involved and, and scariness. And so um, I think that's why such a, it's such a commonly repeated trope. Be, I mean, because it's effective because it it just like appeals to our primal fears. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I actually keep thinking that Megan with like your chalkboard backdrop, you know, <laughs> it's so dark. I'm like, it's like something's gonna come out. <laughs> I know, I know. I uh,
2: I give a really creepy vibe here. Actually, it
0: was really spooky when you turned your before you turned your light on. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> this person's hardcore. <laughs> I do want to say, before we, like,
1: I don't know if feel like we're towards the end, um, do you want to actually plug Megan's other, like, podcast?
0: Wait a uh, minute,
1: what? Yeah. So, <laughs> so, Megan, do you want to tell what you do so people can, like, listen to it and find it? Yeah, sure. Um, so,
2: I actually do a podcast with Jen's partner, Tegan, and it is called The Office Hours, and we just analyze The Office, and we go through episode by episode, and the um, our little kind of tagline that explains what we do is, um, two literature professors analyze the great American story, because I would contend that The Office is the great American
0: novel on TV. Oh my god, sign <laughs> yeah. me right the fuck up. I'm literally... <laughs> subscribing right now Yeah. so the the office
2: hours and i mean buckle up because we take at least an hour and a half every 22 minute
1: episode uh but we
2: find a lot of things to
1: discuss and you guys are on like episode 60 right or something crazy something like like that
0: we just started season four yeah have you gotten to the 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 one where uh uh uh, jim and pam go to Michael's house for dinner with not yet. Oh oh, oh, baby.
2: (laughs) It's coming soon though. (laughs) We got a lot to look forward to there. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Well, I mean, I'm sensing we're kind of at an end here. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh and and braving your fear of horror for this conversation. (laughs) We greatly appreciate it.
2: Thank you for giving me the gateway tween horror. It worked for me.
0: Oh, our pleasure.